Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Melissa Hart, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. If nothing else, I am a traditionalist. I like to do things that have tradition and history and heritage. And Melissa Hart, do you know how many years you and I have done this program the day before Thanksgiving? I'm going to take a guess and I'm going to say 10. Mm-hmm. 12. Oh, oh. Good for me. And it's it's easy for me to remember the first time. Do you remember where we were as a family the first time you joined me? The day yes. before Thanksgiving? You were on your way to mm-hmm. Chicago for mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving Day Parade. You were we had, hauling horses. Your family was in the truck. and <laughs> We were. We, I was driving down the road doing roll route. Yeah. <laughs> which is yeah, probably. We went in the studio for crying out loud. This is no fun. Yeah, well, I got a longhorn hide behind me, so there, deal with it. Um, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Tell, it's, us, it's, tell us the story. It's probably illegal to do that in Illinois now. Oh, yeah. You, do you radio. Can't any, you yeah. can't go anyplace in Illinois right now. I know. Um, so the Chicago Thanksgiving Day Parade was 2008. We had Jim and Josh, the perch run horses. I had uh, a chuck wagon. Libby is 22 so she would have been 10 she had her horse diamond and we participated in the chicago thanksgiving day parade and kelly and i last night were talking about how much we enjoyed that endeavor it was i've never been a fan of chicago but i my heart changed a little bit about chicago as after they treated us so well for that thanksgiving day parade i bet it did i i I bet it did you know that's the thing about every city um there are a lot of great parts to a lot of mm-hmm. these cities that we don't ever think about that we never see on TV and that kind of thing. We always see the bad, you know, so we always think of it. Plus, uh, when you're driving through Chicago, as many times as I drive through Chicago, right. you, oh, my word, except for mm-hmm. 2020. <laughs> 2020 has been pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, well, they're still but, standing uh, toll tickets, so I know that they're still collecting money for driving on their highways. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But at least I've gotten through pretty easily. I, We've not gotten stuck in traffic hardly at all this year. Right. So. Uh, one other thing before you get me lost in the weeds. The, yeah. the most endearing part, uh, aside from driving and watching my 10-year-old ride in front of 750,000 people on State Street in Chicago, uh, Tony Gallagher, a, a veteran, was riding with me in the buckboard, the late Tony Gallagher, he was in the Army and then the CIA, and in fact, he was impersonating a German officer the day that Reagan was standing at the wall and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and amazing. He, um, at the time he rode with me, he was a minister from near Sedalia, Missouri. I think it was Sedalia, somewhere close to there. But it, he was a fascinating man. I, I, I loved carrying veterans with me, and that was the purpose, was to bring attention to agriculture and the veterans. And Melissa Hart joining us from North Adams, Michigan. Michigan's getting a little bit of attention this Thanksgiving season. How's that treating you? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say. Yeah. I have people from five households joining us tomorrow. 
And I think we're only allowed to have two or something like that. Well, you do know we're conversing with the public right now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I, I know. The thing, let me preface this by saying Mm -hmm. we've all had COVID. Everyone in our, everybody in our families had COVID. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're done with COVID and Mm -hmm. uh, we can't get it and we can't spread it. So we're like, hey, we're free. We can do whatever we want. So, yeah, actually, and we have a family. <clears throat> no, I'm not going to incriminate them because nah, they might yeah, get stuck on the highway or there. something like that. Uh, crazy. Anyway. So Andrew Henderson, my buddy, joins me every morning at 630 Central Time from the UK, live from the UK. And he said today that there is now a new term and there is a limit on the number of people you can have in your bubble. How many people are in your bubble? I think we're going to. How big is my bubble? I don't know. Well, according to the government, you can only have six people in your bubble from two families. Okay. No, my bubble's bigger than that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm calling your governor. Yeah, you go ahead and call Big Gretch. And in Los Angeles, they announced yesterday that if you have too many people in your bubble, they're going to shut off your water and electricity. Well, they shut your electricity off anyway. Right. I mean, they have rolling blackouts all, already, so they Not should all be November. used to that. Oh, oh, OK. Really? They're <laughs> that gracious that they've got enough power to get you through the wintertime, but no, not all so. year long. All right. Enough talk about California. It was <laughs> nice to see you so briefly in Louisville, Kentucky, two weeks ago. And, and I owe you now. Thank you for bailing me out of that situation. Bailing you out? I don't mm. even remember bailing you out. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> it's not like I was in jail or something, but you did. <laughs> right. I know. I'm like, where, where, what jail did I show up at that no, you were you, behind you did, us yeah. a, you did us a $38 favor. Thank you. That's right. See, yeah. you got to, you're right. well connected. You got to just know the right people. Right. <laughs> So yeah, it was fun. I was really I was I was not surprised to see you there, but wasn't it strange this it year? It was weird. It was really like, weird. The very first day we were there was Thursday. They were showing on Thursday, so it was the very first day of shows, mm-hmm. and they weren't even ready for them. They didn't have um, all the ribbons had not gotten there, had not arrived at the facility for the shows. They were. It was really strange and then to before all you folks from the hog industry got there they didn't where you, you know, pig people like, showed up yeah, all you pig people there was like <laughs> nobody in the parking lot there it, it, we drove up and i'm like the parking lot's empty you don't yeah. have to fight for one you know you don't have to get here so early to get a you know front row parking or anything like that it, it was weird it was just weird so, so for those that are wondering what we're talking about the north american Livestock Expo did take place from a life junior livestock standpoint. You had open dairy cattle there as well. And um, I think they canceled the North American, but then said, we're going to have the livestock events. That's kind of how it played out. Let's pretend that people don't know anything about Melissa Hart or uh, dairy agenda today. What do you do? Oh, okay. So on dairy agenda today, I, um, we, cover the news of the dairy industry and it's a daily thing on online it's a website that's it's got advertising for dairy and for dairy breeders um it's got um news it's got commentary we have my blog i have a blog on there and then there we have another commentary by a man from um iowa um 
Eric Lang. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's got sales that are advertised there as well. So there's a lot of content on Dairy Agenda today. And with that comes my job, which I go to a lot of uh, cattle shows and cover mm. the cattle shows because, you know, if like the dairy industry, you know, the half the family goes to the show with the cattle and the other half of the family has to stay home and milk the rest of the cows. So um, you never know what's happening. So with the internet, now we can, we cover shows and we, as soon as a class is done and lined up and placed, we have pictures and all the placings posted online within minutes after that. And so people can see what's going on at the show as it's happening. And so that's what I do. And that's what I that's what I was doing at the North American is covering all those dairy shows there. And so the moral of the story is that you've been virtual lot, uh, way before it was cool to be virtual. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We've been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> but you well, don't do it with video as much, do you? Um, no, excuse me while I wipe my nose. Yeah, um, no, no, um, we don't, um, do a, okay. So we, we can, if people ask us to, so we, mm-hmm. we can go do video. We have live, we have videoed a lot of shows this summer. Um, it, it's not as, um, as intense as like show barn flicks, which were right. or Walton webcasting, which do mm-hmm. a lot of the livestock shows. Um, it's not as, as intense as that um, because a lot of times they'll have two cameras, sometimes three. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and that's all they do. They've turned Whereas in, we're, they, they have both turned that into a major production. Oh, they have. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love, I love the fact that they do that and that we can at home. Now I watch the beef shows at home, you know, I'm there for like at the North American, I'm there for the dairy shows, but then we come home and then right. um, now I can watch the beef shows and, and the sheep shows and that kind of stuff while mm-hmm. I'm back home. But anyway, <clears throat> So we do that, but no, mostly, and we do dare, uh, we do Facebook live videos of every class. Normally that's my husband's job. He does that. And so we have a video of every single class that goes out. And, but then the placings, because people can't sit all day long and watch a video uh, or right. don't have time to sit right. and watch a video of a show. Uh, so that's why we have the placings and the photos, the still photos and that kind of stuff uploaded right away. So yep, my guest, we have to go to a break. I want to remind you about watching The Stand at Paxton County. It is on Netflix. More details about how the animal rights groups literally work with local law enforcement and, in some cases, veterinarians to plant a negative stigma about individuals and their ownership of animals. That continues to ratchet it up. This one was based on a true story in Stark County, North Dakota. I encourage you to watch The Stand at Paxton County, and I'd love to hear what you have to say. We'll be back with more Rural Route. Melissa Hart from North Adams, Michigan, after this. And welcome back to Rural Route. Trent Luce alongside Melissa Hart. Our annual voyage, where we will talk about Thanksgiving, because it's the day before Thanksgiving. And you spent... As much I've been in 24 states since May 1st in the quest to stay home and not travel as much. How many have you been in? Because you've been around the country, too. Oh, gosh. Okay, so we've been from uh, I don't remember how many states because I haven't counted them up. North Carolina, that southwest, um, Oklahoma, southwest. I mean, southeast. Okay. Then to to Oklahoma. Uh Uh, Then then we've been as far north as. Minnesota, north, that's far west, northwest as we've been as Minnesota, and then all the way to the east coast. So we've been in all those states. So, 
What's the general attitude of dairymen at this time? <clears throat> Outside of Michigan, it's probably better than it has been in a long time. <laughs> but Michigan still contends with a lack of infrastructure and processing. Mm-hmm. So all of their milk is being shipped out of the state. All the excess milk is still going out of the state and they're still feeling that in their, in their milk checks. Um, so where Wisconsin might be getting $20 a hundred, Michigan is still getting 14. So wow. um, yeah, it, it's, it's still rough in Michigan. Um, but the other States it, it's, it's better. It's, you know, I'm hearing nobody's going to tell you it's great. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> no part. Oh man, fun. things are really going good. Yeah. That, that never happens. No, no. So, but I, I kind of have heard rumblings that probably one of the better years has been 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, for some, not for certainly not for everybody, but for some, it's been good. And that turned a corner after milk was being dumped because that yes. was. That that captured everybody's attention, and now so people think that the dairy industry is just completely in the tank because they're dumping milk. But yeah, is that because kind of, demand is increased? I think I think it leveled out, um, and so yeah, I think it it, it finally kind of it took a dive there for a little bit after the COVID started, and that mm-hmm. now it's it's level it has leveled out over the summertime, but it was still. And they have some coverage programs that have kind of helped them out a little bit, but it, it's still not a sure thing. Um, it never, never is a sure thing, but it, it's kind of leveled out. Now, milk futures for November are $20. Milk futures in December this morning or yesterday were 15 something or other. So, so large. Seems like a large spread. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I always have to put you on the spot when we have this conversation <clears throat> and then I move on. So you'll, it'll all be good. It is very clear that vitamin D and the nutrients that accompany vitamin D in milk, in my case, whole milk is wonderful at building the immune system. In fact, China during the initial steps of COVID in China said the best way to combat COVID is to triple your fluid milk consumption because it will build your immune system and help you. Melissa, I'm yet to hear that as uh, at all from the people who administer your checkoff funds and marketing milk. It should be a daily message sent to people. You want to help yourself with your immune system, not just with COVID, but with all challenges that you face, triple your milk consumption. Why don't I hear that? I, I, I wonder about that, too. Instead, I hear um, about all the giveaways you know, about how uh, benevolent the dairy industry is and how we're, you know, we want people to have the milk. And so we're giving it to you. Um, that That's what I hear out of the, you know, the DMI and uh, dairy uh, milk marketing in Inc. and um, the ADA, you know, American Dairy Association Mideast and, and their American Dairy Association Northeast. We're hearing a lot of that. Um, I, I'm not seeing that as well. And I'm and, I, and I've always thought I've been thinking to myself, what? Why are we not hearing about that? Why? Why is that not the press release that I'm posting every single day or every single week on Dairy Agenda? Which that's preaching to the choir because most of those folks know how important vitamin D is. But mm-hmm. I don't understand that either. I, I'm, I, you know, I've heard it a couple of times, and 
I don't know either. I don't. I don't. I don't we, understand. We, we should all hear it a couple of times every day, and we should yeah. create that meme. Do you have enough milk in your bubble? <laughs> That's a great one. No, we just came up with it here. We'll partner on it. Yes, yes. Let's do that. I, 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 Before you go in your bubble, stock up on milk. Do you have enough milk yeah. in your bubble? <laughs> well, I'm telling you, and I helped out with that yesterday, and I'm not saying this. I'm only telling this story to encourage other people to do the same. Okay. But every Tuesday, our Salvation Army, our local Salvation Army church gives out mm. meals. And it's those um, meals from farmer to consumer. I don't know what the, from USDA. They're boxed. They're they're like boxed food. Right. And um, so anyway, so every Tuesday, I they give them out. You know, people drive in and they get their box of food and they drive out. And so I decided, well, I'll just take milk up there. So I take a grocery cart full of milk, um, whole, whole milk. Mm-hmm. Real milk real milk and and they and what I one of the reasons I continue to do it is because I put the milk on a pallet outside next to the boxes and they pick it up and give it to the people right Right. there so I know it's not going I know they would not waste it I know that but um it's it's great to know that it's getting used right now uh, to giving to people right now who need it. And they love the whole milk. In fact, there's one of the guys, a volunteer that there that um, as soon as I drive up, he sees me and he goes and gets two gallons and puts them in his truck. <laughs> so anyway, I just, it's, it's important. Yeah. To do. Now it takes, it does two things. It provides people with uh, a nutritious element of their uh, balanced diet that they absolutely need, especially for their children, especially whole milk, because whole milk is good for brain development and it gives those kids what they need. And it takes milk off the shelves. And I, I just think this is the simplest way to move fluid milk is by giving it to people that need it the most or, you know, and, and can't afford to buy it. And it's easy for us to do. Now, it costs me anywhere from depending on the price of milk anywhere from 30 to 50 bucks a week now <clears throat> there was a time i couldn't have afforded that i could mm-hmm. not have a, <clears throat> i could not have taken 50 dollars out of my weekly budget to give right. milk to somebody else i had to feed my family with that but now i can and so and, and i know there's a lot of other people out there that, who can so the reason i tell you that story is to motivate you it take five gallons, 10 gallons, whatever. A grocery cart fills has like 18 gallons fits comfortably in a grocery cart. And, it, you know, every time I know do that, it, like, that's good information. Yeah. And I, and not everybody, I, I look at it and I'm like, well, it just doesn't seem like much in the big mm-hmm. scheme. When I see the long traffic line, it yeah. doesn't seem like that much, but it is. And that's something that we definitely need to start doing. So I encourage everybody to do that. Find your local food bank or your local Salvation Army church where they're giving out food and drop off milk. They are so thankful for it and they so need it. So I think I have time to do this and I want to share this with you because um, it's something we need to replicate more often and falls in line with what you said. You know that you're passionate about showing dairy cattle. We participate in showing pigs. We participate in showing beef cattle. And there's always this stigma that the the kids and the people who show are not attached to the real world. And so a buddy of mine, Greg Harder, who was the uh, director of Exarban Stock Show, happens in Grand Island. 14 states are encouraged to come. 
we decided that we're going to take this to the next level. And so we asked kids to apply for the 2020 Maiden Voyage Pig Challenge at Exarbon. 27 young people from I don't know how many of the 14 states applied. 20 of those kids, we did give a pig. The last weekend of April, Greg and I went to, to Sioux Falls and we stopped from Grand Island to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We stopped at exits where people had arranged to meet us and we ended up with 20 pigs in kids' hands in five states, North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Nebraska. Those kids kept records. Those kids uh, had a, each kid had a sponsor. Because, again, the, the family did not pay for the pig. Each kid had a sponsor, so they needed to write a sponsor letter and communicate with their sponsor. Then they brought those pigs to the Exarban Stock Show in Grand Island, Nebraska, the last weekend of September. They competed, but they also did an interview. They presented their record books. So they kept track of the amount of feed costs and all of those things from the real world. Uh, they competed in showmanship. They competed in live placing. Live placing, by the way, was about 10% of the total index. And then we picked the winners from those indexes. And then the best part of this story starts now. But we got to take a break. I thought I could get it in. I can't. (laughs) Melissa Hart. I'm going to remind you about Lone Creek Cattle Company and the development of the Piedmontese breed in an Americanized fashion. The certified Piedmontese system is working for cattlemen all across the Great Plains. What it amounts to is you get paid better for the value that you put into the cattle. And then the consumer reaps the rewards of tender beef. What you need to focus on is the parameters to be a part of the certified Piedmontese system. And it is Marlon Will who has those details. Contact him by going to the website, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. First half of Roll Route on this historical day. Melissa Hart, 12 years and running right here. More after this. Welcome back to Rural Route, Trent Loose. On the day before Thanksgiving, and when we get through this story, we're going to talk about what we're thankful for. Melissa Hart joining us from North Adams, Michigan. All right, so I'm telling the story of the first ever pig challenge, and I think we should replicate this in all species, including dairy. So we've got 20 kids who all have taken their pigs in April, like normal, buying a show pig. They have fed it. They've kept records. They bring it to Exarbon. They compete. And we had an index where we ranked them. And then the day after Exarban, I took those 20 pigs. Oh, you know what? One of the most amazing things about this program, 20 pigs were delivered the last week of April and all 20 pigs showed up in Grand Island. That's how oh, well yeah. these kids did taking care of them. So I take the 20 pigs to the Wahoo Locker, a USDA certified inspected locker, Wahoo, Nebraska. Owners and the folks let me video the process. And so I'm making a video of farm to fork for the families that participated. And I'll probably put it on social media as well. And then we made all of that pork into ground pork. And Melissa, this is where my enlightenment really began because I was the one who, uh, uh, Gretchen Kirchman delivered some, Greg Harder delivered some, but I delivered about 2000 pounds of ground pork to shelters to places in uh, mostly in Nebraska, one church in Texas that feeds hungry people. And these buildings that you drive by every single week when you go get groceries or you go to a ball game, and after you go in them and you see people that aren't as fortunate as you are and so appreciate the opportunity to be given 
a hundred pounds of ground pork or 500 pounds of ground pork, depending on, it was such an education for me. And I'm going to tie that all in so that the kids can be a part of the entire system virtually, basically. But it, it falls into line with what you were talking about, even though you did a better job in, in brevity than I did of explaining how, you know, that's what Thanksgiving is about. Not just appreciating what you have, but reaching out and helping others. It, it really is. It really is. And and I think it's really important to keep in mind, it's not just at Thanksgiving. Now, yesterday, mm-hmm. um, my husband was able to go with me. And we took, we, we ended up dropping off two grocery carts full. So it was like 35 gallons or so, right around 36 oh, gallons. I can't remember. Bobby had to do something. Yeah, he had to do something. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but we, so, but because it was Thanksgiving. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, and, and we made sure we got there early because sometimes I don't get there till 10, you know, later on in the morning. So sometimes some of the people have already come through, but we were there early yesterday morning to catch as many people as we could. And again, the, the the line was down the road. And, um, but I think we need to keep this in mind all year long. This is something that's mm-hmm. not just for holidays. This is something I, it's great to be reminded of for Thanksgiving, but I think we need to do this all year long because people are hungry all year long. You know, it's just, that's uh, just a plain fact, you know, and that's just something that we need to, to deal with, especially, especially with COVID and, all that mess this summer with schools and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's really cool that you guys got to do that. That's fantastic. It was, it was just very rewarding. And, and, and I can't, I need to just sit down and put the video together. So that the kids and the families that were part of donating this pork can Absolutely. see everything that I saw, but you brought up yeah. something there that I, I want to come back to because, you know, one of the challenges in, some people talk about it, but I don't think it gets enough attention when schools. And now I think after Thanksgiving, a lot of schools are going to go back to virtual online learning. There's a lot of kids going to suffer nutritionally because yeah. their source of nutrition comes in the schools and we need to be a solution to that. Cause that's what we do. We, we produce nutrition. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, and I, I, I didn't realize this early on until couple months into the COVID where the schools were closed that, um, you know, our every local school here in Michigan, and I'm sure they're probably doing the same thing there and mm-hmm. all across the country, but school buses are going out and giving food to dropping off meals for the families. So a meal would be, you know, depending on how many kids are in this, in the household, a meal would right. be maybe four gallons of milk and three loaves of bread and, you know, so they're giving, they're not giving just, um, you know, packaged meals. They're giving them a box of food for the week to feed their kids. So that is good. But um, you're right. Uh, who knows if the kids are getting it? Right. You know, um, it, it's just, there's so many unknowns. And I don't like to go into people's home. I hate the fact that anybody would be going into people's homes um, and monitoring that. But it is, but unfortunately, we know kids who are in homes that you have to wonder, are they okay? You know, are they getting mm-hmm. fed? Are they being taken care of? I hate that, but that's the, that's what we're in yeah. today. Uh, and- I draw the line there, Melissa. So I, I'm going to be a part of making that available. I'm not going to be a food Nazi to make sure they eat it. I'm creating the opportunity. If they don't have the guidance 
you can't control everybody. You got to have some self-responsibility. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I am, mm-hmm. I am not saying that we need to go into homes and make sure the kids I are getting you fed. Say that. I'm, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not what I meant at okay. all. No, 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 no. I am so, so not for that. What I'm saying is I would like to think that all of these kids are getting three squares a day and their parents are making sure they're li- signed up on Zoom and they're all doing what they're supposed to be doing and it's a safe place. In my, in my world, you know, my rose-colored glasses, that's what's happening. When I hear people say, we need to open schools because these kids are being, you know, some kids are, it's not a safe place at home. And I just think to myself, what? But it's the truth, you know, and I, I don't like to, I don't like to admit that because quite honestly, I think homeschooling is a great option for a lot of families. And I think that this, this pandemic has served to prove that for a lot of people. I know there are a lot, there are a lot of moms out there that said, yeah, this homeschool. I think I might try it and are try and tried it this fall, which I think is fantastic because I think the best people to teach your children is your parents who will sacrificially die for you. Why wouldn't they be the best person to teach you? I've always thought that. So even if your kids in school, the parent should be the teacher. Because oh, you, well, you should discuss the things that you are just learning in school or discussing in school and, and try to take that to the next level as a parent. Oh, I agree. But are they, But what are the statistics out there, Trent? I, I don't know. All I can do is worry about my house and now well, your house. I'm going to control your house, too. Yeah, make sure I don't have too many people in my bubble. <laughs> yeah, make sure your bubble is stocked with milk and don't have more than six people in your bubble. That's right. From two households. (laughs) (laughs) Or or I'm going to shut off your water and electric. That's right. Shut off my water and electricity. That's right. So, Well, we're chuckling about it, but people are going to experience hardships because of these overzealous control freaks. Well, I tell you what, what there's a lot of things I could talk about, but what I don't like is that people are not using their own mind and common sense mm-hmm. to do what they Spot on. want to do. And if that means have 17 people in your house for Thanksgiving, have 17 people in your house for Thanksgiving. You know, if those, if the 16th person or the 18th person says, you know what? I'm not comfortable with 17 people. I'm going to stay home. Stay home. Mm-hmm. It's That's, that simple. It is that simple. <laughs> but uh, I told you I appreciated doing the first segment for bailing me out. If, in fact, after today's program, the governor of Michigan hears this and you need bailing out, call me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am just not even going to comment on all yeah. the things that are running through my head. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is the only time I'm asking you about this. And then we're going to move on because I have one minute left in this segment. Uh, is Wait a minute. Is this the third <laughs> segment? Yeah, this is the third segment. No, that's too early. Are you going to get your um, voting fixed? Oh my gosh! What happened to Voting Day? What what it, happened to Voting Day? It starts in, on the Fourth of July in twenty twenty. Yeah. Voting Day and and absentee ballots. I mean, that's just what. That's why the polls are open at seven in the morning and stay mm-hmm. open till eight o'clock at night, so that everybody from all shifts can go vote. Right? I mean, why can't we just vote? And you know, the other thing is. My people that I go vote for in my little, or the, that I where I go vote in my Adams Township Hall, 
Mm-hmm. Every single person in there knows who I am, not because right. I'm famous, but because they're my neighbors. Right. And yet I still have to pull out my driver's license. They still have to look at it and compare it to my signature. They still do every single legal step. I thought that's how everybody voted, but apparently not. It's about time we tapped into that old Melissa Hart that we love. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is asinine that people who've been deceased for 50 years are voting. It's, it's <laughs> asinine that people who are not legal residents are voting. Show up at the yeah. polls and vote. It's that simple. Yeah. And I was told, I saw somebody talk about this. And they said that having to show your driver's license is voter suppression. What? What is that? What? No, no. Having to show your driver's license is not voter suppression. It's voting legally. You can't even check into a hotel without showing your driver's license. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. I I think it's unbelievable that we don't think that that's okay. That, that mm-hmm. that's just too much that we talk that we're asking for voter ID when we go vote. I, I just it's unfathomable. Uh, uh, Diane, I don't I don't buy this. Diane's a dear friend and we maybe should have her on here. Diane joins quite often. I don't believe people who we're talking about that need help feeding can't afford an ID. What is to afford about ID? an ID? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Diane, we'll, it, we'll discuss that on another program, but yeah, I, I just don't buy that. So you didn't answer my question. You have 30 seconds or less. Are you going to get your voting fixed? <laughs> I don't know. It's not up to me. My voting's fixed. I don't Get over to Wayne fixed. County and get this all sorted out. Oh, I wish. Uh, yeah. I, no, I got Thanksgiving to deal with. I can't go over to Wayne County right <laughs> I, now. I got milk to distribute to people. That's right. That's right. And Diane, I'm not going to get in your home or your grocery cart. I'm with you. Stay out of it. (laughs) It's roll route. We are at the third breaking point. We've got one segment left. It's all Thanksgiving when we come back with Melissa Hart on the 12th anniversary of us doing this the day before Thanksgiving. I think that's way cool. Before I let you go, I want to talk about genomics, reminding you that we are in the era of making no mistakes. The dairymen can afford to make no mistakes. So we look at the genomics in addition to the other data we can compile to make sure we make a predictable decision on the genetics that we use across the board. Maybe we'll talk a bit about genetics because the dairy show at the North American was the same size as normal. People showed up. They wanted to get off of the farm. It's clear. They went to the North American and they are looking at the genomics of these animals to make sure that they are more efficient and in some cases, a a less challenge of disease. More details about shining a light on your genetic future at neogen.com. We're back with the last segment of Rural Routes after this. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent Loose. Oh, look, I've got the sun coming up, creating this little ambiance behind me. You've got the sun on your face as well. Uh, no, it's not sunny. I think it's the light. Should I turn? I mean, it's like totally bleaching my whole face out. <laughs> I am not tuned into this video thing. When I, I do know. Zoom you, calls, you are now. When I do Zoom calls, I um, hide the video. I don't start the video. So it's like... Yeah. I, well, it's hard for people like to see you if you don't have your video on. I know. And yeah. I, I don't like that. So I'm constantly fidgeting and 
like fixing and I can't stand that. So don't worry about it. Okay. So I thought of you the other day in a parking lot in Waco, Texas. Is that strange? Not at all. So I met a friend and we were transferring pigs from my pickup and trailer to his pickup, uh, Craig Bauman. And this lady, her husband and a, an eight year old boy pulled up, just pulled up and said, are there pigs in there? And I was like, yes, they are. And she, the mother was very chatty. She was a delightful, wonderful conversation. She said, and I quote, well, my son just absolutely loves pigs. We live here in Waco in town, but it seems to me that if he had pigs to raise, it would be the best way to teach him to be a man. I looked at my calendar. I, it is still 2020 and people yeah. recognize the important part of parenting. And obviously you have always been vocal and forefront about we need to raise girls to be ladies, men to be men. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share that story with you. That's fantastic. And and remind you that she said that she, her kids should raise pigs to be a man, not get a dairy cow. Well, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That's not where I was going. What's Thanksgiving going to look like in your bubble, Melissa? Uh, well, I don't know. Can I talk about that? Uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. You already Let's see. did. We're going to have all the traditional things. Um, I'm going to get on Instagram at Farm Writer. That's Farm, F-A-R-M-W-R-I-T-E-R. Follow me on Instagram. We're going to brine a turkey this morning. And then um, we're going to do, I think we'll bake uh, bake some pies and, and all that kind of stuff. So I did a video yesterday um, of asking people if they wanted to see videos of Thanksgiving prep. And they all said, yeah, bring it on. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, I've got a couple things I need to work on. You know, when you're self-employed, you have to balance that time at home and doing stuff at home with doing work stuff. And it's always hard at Christmas time or Thanksgiving because I have, I have three magazines that are deadlining right now. Um, And so I'm trying to get those to the printer. So that's, that's kind of hard, but so I'm going to work just a little bit this morning and then I'm going to leave the office and go full bore into Thanksgiving prep. And I've got more to do than what I have time for, which is always normal, mm-hmm. which I'd much rather do. So anyway, but yeah, that's what Thanksgiving's going to look like. I got, got people coming in tonight. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, that are, they're going to be here spending the um, weekend in Hillsdale. And then, um, we're, just going to celebrate tomorrow and Friday we're going to go Christmas shopping at Bronner's and Frankenmuth. If anybody has seen a billboard all over the nation there for Bronner's, but yeah, that's what we're going to do. I've been to Frankenmuth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing about it is when we go to Frankenmuth and I'm sure you're the same way, mm-hmm. we're there for a conference and, and we never see chicken. anything else. See, you see chicken. Yeah. <laughs> chicken. <laughs> Why are you brining yeah. your turkey? Uh, cause it makes it more moist. Like it ends up, so you brine it, you let it soak in brine for, um, 24 hours and it makes the turkey more moist. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, t- you tell me, why do I brine a turkey? You probably know more about it than I do. Well, it's simple. You are getting the muscle fibers to absorb, uh, absorb the moisture so that it's more moist. Right. There you go. It's not, That's why I'm brining the turkey. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah, well, I I never understood that. People fight over the white meat of a turkey and then complain that it's dry. (laughs) 
I know, right? You know why that meat is white, right? It has less moisture, less pH. The darker meat has the higher moisture content, the higher pH. That's why it's moist. There you go. That makes sense, right? Because those muscles, you think about the the muscle or the, uh, yeah, the muscles on a turkey or a chicken that are dark in color, they're the ones that had more activity. The breast just sits there doing nothing. That's true. We're talking I about so. chicky, turkey and chicken breast. Look who showed up. Diane Sullivan joining us from Medford, Massachusetts. Happy Thanksgiving, Diane. Happy Thanksgiving. Good morning. And thank you for the invite. I'm, I'm not here to crash the party. You're here to crash um, the party. You got to tell us what you're doing for Thanksgiving first. I'm doing what I do every year, which is cooking for my family. So, yeah, that hasn't changed. And I think I thought about this the other day. It's interesting for low-income Americans. I think Thanksgiving is going to look a lot like it often does. Um, you know, poverty causes this interesting isolation um, mm. that now many more folks are experiencing amid COVID. Um, so I'm very grateful that my, my Thanksgiving routine will look quite normal. How about yourself? And, and, and I'll add, I am <coughs> white meat breast all day and if it gets a little dry which mine usually doesn't that's what we have gravy for amen amen hey. can't agree hey. more all right um yeah i don't know where i was gonna go with that but why would it get dry if you cook it right it won't get dry right exactly yes so that's why well, I said, you- so diane i want to know why were you why were you so on fire Well, gosh, um, well, these conversations get me on fire. I think often um, when we're having conversations about low-income people, we often forget to invite them in the room. Um, So I have invited myself, and I I thank you for graciously having me. I thought, should I I do it? I invited you. You didn't invite yourself. Go ahead. Well, thank you. True. Okay. Um, but, you know, I mean, the reality is, right, when we're talking about photo IDs, um, you know, I could give you a current situation uh, right now where I know somebody who is struggling to get an ID. Now, could that part of that is complications from COVID and the office is not being open, but part of that is the financial cost of that. Um, and so, you know, I've done direct service doing eviction prevention and helping folks uh, with housing search in Boston. And in that process, you need an ID. And I had so many clients where, I was just like, you know what, let me just come out of pocket because if this is going to be the barrier for them, and these are people that I know, you know, whose lives I didn't necessarily want to be so engaged in, but because when they came seeking services, you've got to build those relationships and you come to know who folks are and you really understand the barriers. Add that, the fact that, again, my own personal, when I have struggled to get an ID. So I understand that when we're in a position where, you know, forking out whatever it is. I know somebody said $7 in one state. It's not even near $7 in Massachusetts. Plus there could be barriers. You might have fines or things that you have to pay from the past that are blocking you from it, right? So it might not just be that $7. So when we demand an ID of people who are voting, um, yeah, that could absolutely be interpreted as a form of voter suppression because who is less likely to have an ID um, low-income people. And who is more likely to be low-income in America is people of color. So when when you sort of watch where that ultimately leads to and who ultimately is impacted by, um, you know, having an, an ID required at the polls, um, you have to 
acknowledge whose vote is then suppressed. So it really, and again, so I think it was really just trying to make that point um, and really bring a little bit of reality to the conversation. Um, but then really- well, how, how, it, Diane, let me interrupt for a minute. How many things can you not do without an ID? Does that what make you sense? Can't do? Yeah. I mean, you can't fly on a plane. Um, what you else? Can't rent a car. Can't rent can't a car. Rent you, car. Can't, can't go to you can't check into a hotel. Can you get SNAP benefits without an ID? Um, you know, that's a good question. I believe that they will re- require it, but if you do not have it, then you will um, couldn't perhaps use some sort of backup form of identification. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, I should know the answer to that question, but I don't think that it's, it. you know what? I, I just think it's pretty hard to exist today without an ID and that's why unless you're living unless you're living on the streets in a park bench or something else uh, you just pretty much have to have an ID to do anything absolutely and so if you don't have an ID you are further isolated and further marginalized now if i can't go rent a hotel room you know yes if i'm homeless and i happen to have money and i can get myself some shelter and safety that's a barrier right but if I'm low income and, and if I'm if I'm fortunate enough to have a home, I'm not thinking about going to rent a hotel. I'm not thinking now, about I, I know, but you can't even go to a shelter without it. You um, have to identify yourself. Yeah, I mean it would be different in 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 all different localities. Access to shelter is there's no like one door that you go to. Access to shelter looks very different in every county across the country. All right, minute and a half. Here's the most important question. Melissa, you did not mention pumpkin pie, so I'm probably not going to stop at your house in your bubble. Diane, are you cooking pumpkin pie? Sweet potato pie. Ooh. Yeah. I always have pumpkin pie. You didn't mention pumpkin pie when you're talking oh, about your menu. Pumpkin, lemon, chocolate cream, apple, and <laughs> probably coconut Wait, cream. So, I, yeah. Pick me up. We're going over to Melissa's. We're going to go yeah. spend dessert there. Because I, the whole reason for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Boston is right on the way to North Adams, Michigan. That'll work good. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Wait a minute. She's got too many people in her bubble. We can't go. Oh, no. No, I want everybody at my house. And I'm going to do a Facebook Live video of the party that's going to be at my house. Uh, <laughs> Melissa, I know this will touch you, and I'm sure it will, Diane, as well. But uh, I've talked to people. I couldn't believe this. Even in Nebraska, people who have not been able to congregate in church since March. Melissa. Right? Yes. Well, you can in Michigan. Thank you. Thank you, Big Gretch, that you'll let us do that. Uh, but... I saw in this morning in California, strip clubs are open, but churches aren't. So they turned their church into a strip club and the pastor took his tie off. Qualified as a strip club, (laughs) preached a sermon. I'm like, you go, dude. You go. All right. (laughs) That's fantastic. Diane, thanks for being on the spot and holding holding our feet to the fire. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank thank you so much for having me. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. (laughs) Thank you, Diane. We'll talk soon, Diane. Melissa. You get the final word today. On Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving. Uh, okay. So as Thanksgiving. So I just think I um, we got to be thankful for the simple things. No matter what's happened in 2020, there is always a silver lining. I know that we've a lot of us have been aggravated by a lot of different things, but uh, we have a lot of things to be thankful for. And I... I You just got to find those things. And the more you do, um, the happier you'll be. 
So count your blessings. I'm telling you, it the harder makes you look, all the difference. The harder they'll be to find too. Don't look too hard. They're right around nope. you. Right. We have successfully journeyed down the road, connecting rural and urban America with my dear friend, Melissa Hart. Thanks to Diane Sullivan for jumping in. We all remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route.